Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 323 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome! In this episode I chat to Dan Taylor of Thunderbox Entertainment about their spaceship disaster management game, The Captain is Dead. Now this is a game that's actually been out on analogue, like a board game, for quite some time, three or four years now, I believe, by AEG. Thunderbox Entertainment have been given the rights to make a video game version of it and they have now the original is a multiplayer co-op game whereas the video game is actually a single player experience and it's a fantastic one i was left at the chance of uh, interviewing dan about this incredible game and it's done such a fantastic job of replicating the art style and the atmosphere of the board game into a digital format lots of humor to it lots of pathos Definitely. Masses of pathos and has a unique art style to it, which some people find jarring, but I actually was quite drawn to it. Mirrors that what's found on the board game, which I think I've mentioned already. And they've done a really good job of reproducing, animating it and bringing it all to life, which is quite a joy to see as speaking as someone who's a big fan of the original board game. So, should we listen to me from the past talking to Dan about the creation of the captain? is dead. Chris, take it away. Dan. Hello. Hello. Who are you and what do you do? My name is Dan Taylor and I am the design director at Thunderbox, which is a tiny boutique indie studio. I say tiny boutique, it's currently just me, uh, that turn board games into video games. Which is something we've discussed before on this show, Hmm. but not with you, but with others. We had the people who did evolution, which is a good interpretation of evolution. 
Uh, I haven't. Do you know, I'm unfamiliar with that. I'll have to check yeah, it out. Yeah, that's on the Switch and on, on, on Steam, and we had them on a, a few weeks back. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's something we've delved in in this show. But with us being Kane and Rince, we are going to really lean into the video game aspect of taking what is very analogue and making mm. it into a video game experience, which I know you have done before. We'll talk about that. Now, because I'm going to ask you the question of, which is, it's my awful segue, and now I've called it a segue, so it's no longer a segue. I've just got an image of you riding around on an actual segue now. And an actual segue now, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, you know, no, they don't exist anymore. How did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Uh, well, okay, this is a, like, I'm not sure how to answer this because there's like a my start start and then my mm. professional kind of miss start and then my real start. Okay. So like, let's do all I three. Mean, so it's a, it's a three yeah, part yeah. adventure. I like that. Let's do the first one. It is. Uh, yeah, okay, a story in 3X. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was 10, I started making video games on the ZX Spectrum using a super basic platform game designer. I can't remember what it was called, but I was obsessed with Transformers at the time, because obviously they were like the cool new toy. And uh, I was trying to make like a little Transformers platform video game on Spectrum. Okay. So that was kind of like the first game that I made. And then um, I just started do- using uh, the shoot 'em up construction kit on my Amiga as I got yeah. older. Yeah. And then modding Doom... Um, and I just modded and modded and modded, and I, I really love video games. And when I l- finished, when I finished at university, I did my thesis weirdly in virtual reality, which was back in the days when you ran virtual uh, virtual reality on like a silicon graphics indie machine, and there wasn't like any fancy tracking or anything like that, and all the graphics were like uh, dire straits is money for nothing video. Yeah, and. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Kids so asking parents, super, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. super interesting for me to to see the resurgence of VR, having having like worked in it before. It was quite cool. Um, but yeah, so uh, when I left university, I really wanted to get into video gaming, and I couldn't get a job at any of the studios. So I ended up doing marketing for a small agency that was working on Half Life, uh, Wipeout Three. Oh, what else did they do? What else did they do? Shogo Mobile Armor Division, ODT, loads of like really oh, old wacky games. That was a great game. That yeah, was, that wasn't was it? A, Sequel to Shogo Mobile Armor Division, a Mobile Armor Division, please. Yeah, please. And, um, I mean, it, yeah, it's, and, it doesn't really hold up now, but it's, it was a bloody amazing scaling game. We one minute running around yeah. on, the, on the floor, next minute running around in a big robot. And it's still the it's great. great. Yeah, yeah, and it was very it was fast paced giant robot combat as yes, well, which made it yeah. feel very interesting. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I like did marketing in video games for five years, and like my last, last marketing role was uh, European product manager at Sony PlayStation, where we did um, Killzone and iToy, and I worked on Tekken and Sly Raccoon. Oh, that and era. Like that. That yeah, was yeah. Interesting. and uh, Ape yeah. Escape. Oh. Yes. Uh, and then I realised that like I, this was kind of like a. A diversion thing because I really wanted to make games, and at this time I've been uh, doing a lot of modding on Morrowind, the Elder Scrolls Morrowind, which is a oh, fantastic yeah. game. Yep, yep. Uh, and so I, I, mo- I moved to Vancouver in Canada because there's loads and loads of game studios there, and I figured I'll, I'll shop my mod around. Look, oh, this mod is really cool. Can you do a job? And uh, I ended up working at EA Canada 
and the guy, they liked all the level design that I'd done in my mod work and they liked all the management and project leadership that I had from my time at Sony. And they, they couldn't tell me what, what game they wanted me to work on. I got into my first day and the HR manager goes, uh, do you know what you're working on? I went, no, I've got no idea. They go, oh, well, they want you to run the level design team on a new Medal of Honor game. And I was like, <laughs> shut the front door. That is amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, then uh, I just started doing level design. I got into more interesting stuff. I worked at Ubisoft in Vancouver, which was interesting. Um, then I moved to Montreal in French Canada which is a super cool place. Loads of cool studios there. Uh, I had a, bit, a brief spell at uh, Square Enix Montreal and Eidos Montreal before moving back to the UK, having started my own little indie studio, Thunderbox. So that's right. kind of where so I feel like I've waffled a bit. Hopefully that answers your no, question. No, it's a very storied. We've had many people from Canadian land uh, on the show. Um, yeah, it's, a, a, it's vibrant, a cool place uh, with a proud heritage of video game development. Yes, Yes, government-funded for many years. They, yes, very, very good government-funded yeah. in Canada. I don't get that anymore. <laughs> no, uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a, I mean, they, they did try to do some, some similar, and uh, but we have other fish to fry, or not, as the case may be. Sorry, politics, everyone, never mind. British fish, though. British, British fish, fish British fish, just to be clear, which no one mm. wants to eat. So, <laughs> um, well, that's... A, gives you an idea about what the, the far spectrum of stuff, pun intended, because you started yeah. with the specy, as most yeah, right, people nice. did. I mean, a lot of people did the C64 as well, but no one could afford them, could they? Could they, Dan? No. No, they were like too fancy. Too fancy. I mean, I had a real keyboard mm. and everything. What's that about? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you couldn't, you, couldn't, you, you couldn't use the keyboard on a C64 to erase pencil. No. No, you couldn't. <laughs> or indeed, when they upgraded the specy. I mean, they upgraded it to the Plus, and there's a machine where you could pick up, flop over on its back, and watch the keys fall out. It's quite impressive. <laughs> British engineer, my Am- friends. After Amstrad got his hands on it. No, it's before, just before. Oh, wow. It's just before. Anyway, uh, and I, I say that as someone who has a great deal of affection. In fact, has a spectrum, a rubber key spectrum is built out of brand new components. Yes, they do make those. Wow. So it, it's That's not... Cool. Yeah, because it I they did like a fancy new spectrum, didn't they? They do. I've got that as well. It's like a Spectrum Next, which is an amazing thing. And I've won over about three oh, people wow. on the planet who has one. But I also have this other one called a Harlequin. The Harlequin is basically the exact same as a Spectrum, but it's made out of modern components so it won't die and it doesn't heat up and stuff because it's made using... 21st century components rather than um, you know, the 20th of the future. Inspection of the current, really, I guess. But yeah, it means that oh, wow. uh, it means that um, it won't fall over randomly and do weird things. It says, yeah, fine, you can do it like. And it's bright orange. I made it so that all the keys are bright orange and stuff. So- <laughs> I'm going to have to Google that right after yeah. the chat. <laughs> They're called Harlequins. They're amazing little machines, and they they put out RGB rather than composite, so it looks fantastic. Um, wow. It's all amazing, but it is just gen- it is just a spec. Yeah. Um, so, as a creator of things, Dan, which you are, mm. believe it or not, what do you okay. believe? Yeah, after a fashion, uh, what do you what do you believe are your biggest influences? So, okay, this this like this is another super tough question because Indeed, yes. I uh, I try and pull my influences from like a massive massive. Um, range of places i say massive but like my 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 pop cultural 
buffets rather narrow, but like, gameplay-wise, I still really rely on some of the old stuff that I grew up on for influence, like Metroid and Deus Ex, which is still, the gameplay is still hard to beat. You still see stuff like uh, Ghost of Tsushima using the same patterns that are laid out by Metroid. And uh, the emergent gameplay that was kind of pioneered by Deus Ex is still not beaten very often in one game. So I kind of really look back to those classics for my inspiration. Also, I use board games a lot. as an inspiration to create emergent storytelling within games. Because one of the cool things about board games is that they don't have a super deep narrative in the same way that video games can. And the stories are very much created by the players as they play, which is something really interesting to me. And um, so what board games do really well is they provide uh, like a story box, lots of little fun tools to create for the players to create their own stories. So that's kind of something I want to try and bring over to video games. Uh, and then, I, 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 obviously, having just worked on The Captain is Dead and being a massive retro sci-fi nerd, uh, I put in a lot of reference for, for this current project, certainly for very kind of weird vintage sci-fi, the, all the stuff of my childhood, which is now kind of cool and getting rebooted again, which is nice. Um, but I find that I, I try to avoid using kind of films and TV and comic books for reference because it's... It's easy to, to, to become kind of like a, a, a pop cultural, and I, I'm going to pronounce this wrong now, pop cultural uruguay, you know, one of those snakes that eats its tail? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I always try and look at um, check, look at my inspiration from like very solid classical design. So there's stuff like Dieter Rams or Kevin Mader, who are kind of like very... Um, simplicity-focused modern designers. So I try and go for that, which, ironically, having said that, uh, that is the last thing you will see in The Captain is Dead because it's utterly bonkers. (laughs) I like to cite Bioshock as a good example of taking something very strange and alien to the video game culture and shoving Mm -hmm. it in their face and going, here's some Art Deco. What? There it is. What's that? You should know what Art Deco is, but here it is in your face, and now you've got to drink it in for the next six, seven, sorry, correction, 15 hours. You're going to enjoy every drop. Yeah. So it's always good to to do the opposite of what people are doing. So I I used to quote quote Coco Chanel on this in terms of of like – inspiration uh, she said if you if you want to be indispensable you must always be different but then as i was researching coco chanel it turns out that she was a massive nazi sympathizer during the second world war so I was yeah like, oh, Lord. yeah she's so so now it's jay-z who said don't don't go with the flow be the flow be the flow or Which know where the flow like is going or yeah, direct yeah. the flow or direct the flow yeah, yeah. um and uh and so like, i don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'll come back to this when we talk about the soundtrack for the Captain is Dead, which we kind of we tried really hard to do something a little bit unusual with. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Certainly. Um, well, that's a really wonderful response, and it's great that you say you're self-aware enough. I know you are, Dan, and we both suffer from that blight of going. You know, <laughs> I mean, I've said it before on the show, but not for many years now. But I used to say that you know we need more people making video games who don't have a lot of interest in Star Wars. You know, yeah. it's a glib way, and it's a you know of saying, um, you know, let's just make something else. Although, thanks in the, in these post Mandalorian days, we realised that 
wow, Star Wars universe is really messed up. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> yes, it is. Now you just get a it. It's just, it really is. This is really, it's horrible. Everyone's horrible. Like, mm. oh, yeah, it's like, stop watching this as if it's like a slight variant of Star Trek. Seriously, it's not. Um, I'll so. tell you what I particularly like about Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, which is one of the, like, Obviously, I said like I'm a massive sci-fi nerd, and mm. I've just done like a, a Star Trek homage game. So clearly, I like Star Trek. But what I particularly like about Star Trek because my 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 wife is a big Star Wars fan, and she hates Star Trek. Well, she, she doesn't hate; she doesn't like it as much as I do, which is, to be fair, pretty hard. Uh, but it's one of the few sci-fi stories that makes a utopian human future interesting. Yeah. Everything else is dystopia because it's easy to make dystopia interesting. Yeah. Utopia, yeah. not so much. No, because you have to then push at the edges of that utopia all the time, mm. which is what the culture novel is all about. Because the culture is the most decadent society you could think of because they're genuinely bored. Mm. Uh, I'm not really familiar with culture. Forgive me if I mean I make the assumption that you are, but are you... I thought you were just talking about culture in general. No, when I say <laughs> the culture, I mean Ian uh, Banks. And, uh, oh, I love Ian Banks. The Bridge is one of my favourite books. Yeah, so the is that Ian Banks use or Ian Banks. Yeah, Ian Banks or Ian Banks. I'm not sure, but there's the you know the use of weapons and uh, consider plebes and plebeus and stuff. Are you familiar with those or not? Mm-hmm. No, so, no, no, I'm not. Yeah, so the the culture is this extraordinarily um, technologically advanced society that's so advanced that they defy death itself. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, they're bored. <laughs> they yeah, genuinely are bored. And they will visit other planets that aren't as technologically advanced and just, you know, observe... You know, and there's this one opening scene in Use of Weapons where it actually has a chap whose head's been actually severed from his torso. And then the culture sort of peep team come in and go, they look at his severed head and go, what, again? <laughs> it's like, because they he's just basically messed around with things and become, you know, before, oh, this, this will be fun. And then ends up in you know, doing things he ought not and then he gets, he gets his head cut off but it doesn't matter because he's culture but yeah. there's a society that are so decadent they're actually bored so <laughs> the, the universe is the books are always different stories in different places but they're always mm. about this this society that is utopian utterly utterly mm. utopian to the point where there is no suffering or disease of any kind or or hunger or even death uh, but they're bored and and that's the that's yeah. the, that's where that that's where Ian Banks went. He went. He just he explored that side of, of utopian society. What happens when you're just like I don't know, bored? And it's been looked at before, but not in not in as much detail as you say. It's, it's, it's as obvious as it is as Star Trek. And because like I say, they have to with Star Trek. They've had to invent things to try to undermine the utopia. All of the yeah, where the modern Trek is like is is verging a little bit on the dystopia, which is why. Why it's, it kind of polarizes a lot of the core fan base because mm. everyone's like, oh, this isn't like classic Trek. They've abandoned the core principles that make Star Trek interesting and fun and different, and they're just now generic sci fi nonsense. But at the same time, it's still kind of fun, though. Yeah, yeah, as long as you just accept it, and uh, that's what it is. But uh, yeah. anyway, let's move on to the next question before yes. we delve even deeper into that rabbit hole, which is what developer did most admire in the industry and why? Okay, so this was the hardest question on your list, I have to say. And I thought long and hard about this. Um, 
as to who to choose. There are a lot of great designers out there, there is, great there development is. teams. And um, unfortunately, I'm slightly worried that my answer is going to make me sound a little bit self-serving because as an indie developer, I really, really admire all of the small or solo indie teams who are taking big risks delivering weird and interesting innovative little games so like the developers of heat signature or the outer wilds or the the chap who's known sketch who did uh, return of the over who are just doing these weird and wacky games and putting it everything they've got into it to make something really unusual so very much respect to those guys brilliant answer and you're absolutely right we've had many of those people on the show and indeed, mm. well, they managed to get Outer Wilds on because eventually they suddenly got all these awards thrown at them and I just couldn't reach them. But, what um, a game. you know, but what a, what a game. Uh, mm. My game of 2019, it really was. Um, People take a while to get into it, though. They're like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just wandering around these planets and there's a special. It's a bit dull. I said, like, yeah, but have you noticed this, this, and this? And yeah. like, shut up. <laughs> it's the oh, worst. Yeah, come back again. It's the worst game to talk about because it's like when they get into it, you go, shut up. Like, have yeah. you found? I don't, you, oh, the fact you said, have I found, means I've got yeah. something to find. You've already yeah. spoiled that for me. And then I've never known a game like it where even breathing the words, uh, have you, is, is, yeah. is like, no, I don't want to hear it. They'll actually lunge at you to stop you from speaking uh, because it means, and it, I can't, I'm assuming you've finished it, sir. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, that th- what a what a what an ending! It's one of the best oh, yeah. endings. I, I think I may have cried. Yeah, I I there was yeah. a bit of quivering chin going on. Um, yeah, on I'm not going to confirm or deny that a single manly tear was shed. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it 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 happened. And uh, mm. when when the thing came, and we'll talk about it after the show is stopped recording. Uh, it's a thing, everyone. It's you know, it's an experience because you go through phenomenal mm. things. Phenomenal things to get there, and when you get there, it is just so emotionally sort of um, just difficult to cope with. Uh, but they do a good job of building that emotion up. I think. Yeah, yeah, they do. They drip feed everything. Very cleverly done. It is very clever. But uh, no, good shout. The people doing the weird stuff that people are hmm. gravitating towards. You know, um, um, fair play to you. And we have many of those on the show. I'm happy to know. Uh, so. Um, yeah, thanks for that. So, last thing then, last question of the first half is this: What are you playing right now? Well, uh, I just finished a game called Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. Right. Which is, is that's not what I'm playing now, but this is what I just finished. And this, yeah. I, I thought I'd mention it because it's yeah. um, it's basically an homage to all the old Wonder Boy games from Sega. Right. And it's really good. They've got the same music and they've updated the characters and they've got this fantastic Metroidvania level design, which is really good. And the combat and the platform is super tight. And it was just like a, a simple, fun, like old game that made me feel kind of the same way I did when I played games when I was a kid. Nice. So that was really good. But what's, it, what's it on? Is it on all of the things? Is uh, Steam, Steam. It's on Steam. Monster Boy and the Curse of Kingdom. It's quite like a, the art style I wasn't quite sure about, but I think that's just my personal taste. Okay. Uh, but the out. gameplay and the level design is super freaking tight. I really enjoyed it. Oh, I got I got um, Baba is you at your on your recommendation. It was you. I remember you saying, "I've been playing Baba is you the last time we met." And, oh uh, yeah, Baba is you. That was yeah. a great game. It's great, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's logic. Yeah. It's just um, mm. loads and loads of compound logic puzzles. It's brilliant. 
Absolutely yeah, and when brilliant. you work it out, it's like, oh, oh. oh so good. And then, um, it, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it was me because yeah. I was into the Bubby as you at the time. I was, yeah, yeah, I remember you said I've never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, so yes, what I'm playing at the moment is Everspace Two. <gasps> good in it. Which is uh, it's good in it. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Well, you... I played the first one, and uh, my mate recommended it to me, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll get I'll get my flight stick down, and I'll play some like space sim games. It's going to be great. And I hated it, and I hated it, and I hated it. And then I suddenly thought, saw this. I'll try it with my gamepad, and it's not a flight sim space game. It's yeah. more like an FPS in space. Yeah. And as soon as I realised that, it's like this game is amazing. And so yeah. I got Everspace Two because like it. It just looks like such a phenomenal space sim type game, and it's arcadey and it's fun, and there's loads of stuff you can do in your space. It is essentially Skyrim in a spaceship. Yeah, I, I think more of, more of a Diablo, I thought, but you could say. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, a little bit with the kind yeah. of like uh, loot shooter style vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think the combat is tight. The level and the mission design is fun. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Did you back it or? Um, I did. I wanted to, but yeah. I'm slightly broke at the moment, having uh, back having back to a lot of board games last year. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, it was one of those ones that I hummed and hard about for ages. Yeah, it, it's it's great. But I got the early access. Yeah, I'm on the early access. I actually kickstarted it as well because I was at PAX East, nice. and they went, "Oh yeah, you launched a Kickstarter for this." Good. I'll, I'll go for that because I did like the first one because it's a roguelite and. Um, which is unique. They've ditched that completely, though, haven't they? Yeah. yeah, they've thrown that all away and they said, no, let's not bother with that. Let's make it more. But I like how they, thing. they work the roguelike into the um, into the story a little bit as well in Ever Space. Yeah, yeah. So it, uh, it was very clever. And this new hmm. one is, I streamed it uh, about two weeks ago now. Um, so yeah, because I, 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 I do the streams on, on the Sundays and we alternate between modern games and older games. So I did Everspace 2, oh. and then I did Shockwave Assault on my Saturn, because <laughs> why I'm not? I'm not familiar with that. No, it's good. Yeah, you... <laughs> it's a game I don't that think exists. I, do you know what? I don't think I ever time. played on the Saturn. Did you? Well, it's a good machine. That must have completely really passed me by. Yeah. It's, uh, but I prefer the PlayStation. I know, a radical thing to say apparently these days, but I still think the... PlayStation okay. was a slightly better machine for a variety of reasons. Um, yeah. But, uh, and then, you as know. As long as you prefer the Dreamcast to PlayStation 2, that's okay. I, yeah. Considering the roster Ooh. of games, but I'm just. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I do have both machines. Um, and mm. my Dreamcast, which I bought from launch, is still working. So that says a lot for that machine. Yeah, I think um, I've got a couple of Dreamcasts, mostly for playing Sega Bass Fishing. Yeah, I've got. I did stream that. What a game! What a game! I've got a little <laughs> so, wheel thing as well. It's just. Have you got? Have you got the uh, the the European edition, not the UK edition, which is analog? Oh. So they apparently they did two editions of the the fishing rod peripheral. One of which is digital, which they released in the UK, right. and then there's another one. Like, it's either US or European, which is right. analog, and it's supposed to make it a totally different game. Cool. But Sega Bass Fishing yeah. is one of my favourite games of all time. But when you explain <laughs> it to people and yeah. tell them how good it is. They think you're mentally defunct. They, yeah, because you describe because it, it like just this, so rubbish. This can't be any good. This can't be any good. Like, no, seriously, yeah. it is because they released it on PS2 as well. Which, yeah, it's a good game. Same controller, yeah. but you know, uh, I didn't know they didn't. I've got the UK one. I've definitely got the UK one. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, good shout really on you over Space Two though. That is a good shout because it's a it's a it's a fine mm. fine experience. So oh good 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 good. 
let's move on let us move on to the uh, next portion of the show which is also known as part two where we delve deep into the captain is dead So Dan, before we can listen to, yeah, before we can delve deep into <laughs> the captain is dead, we need to know what it is. So okay, so what is it? Uh, I'm going to steal steal the blurb from the back of the board game, which is uh, quite nicely written actually. So imagine the last ten minutes of your favourite sci-fi TV show, except this time things have gone horribly wrong, and the captain is dead. So it's basically a survival strategy board game, which we've turned into a video game, where you control uh, a crew uh, who all have, uh, each member of which has their own uh, very particular set of skills, and you have to repair the jump core on your ship and escape before you get blasted into space dust by a load of angry aliens. That's right. Yeah, it's kind of like a a fun, intense, uh, quite tricky strategy game. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Mm -hmm. It's a, a cooperative strategy game. And... It is. It is. So the video game has been designed predominantly as a single-player experience. Yes. Uh, but you can play multiplayer using Steam Connect Play together on Steam. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but it's very much... I liken it to another game we've featured on this show, which is Space Crew. Um, and uh, Oh, yeah, by yeah. Um, Henry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's, uh, they've been oh, no, that's Space Team. And they did. They did space team. Um, like they, space uh, team or space crew? Yeah, it's space. The space crew. So they, 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 this is follow up to bomber crew. 
uh, and uh, it's, 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 it's so you actually control a crew. I'm getting that confused with Space Alert. Yeah, th- th- that wasn't the Space but, Alert. Yes, that's, Space Crew I played, that's lovely. Yeah, 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 it's a lovely game. It's on the Xbox and I streamed mm. it too. It's, it's very easy to die, just like in The Captain is Dead. So just to everyone yeah, understand. I think I played the demo and I got blown up very quickly. Yes. Uh, in, 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 yeah. in great sort of like celebrities. Oh, it's just glorious. But point is, um, mm. with the Captain is Dead, it is a turn-based experience. So while everything mm-hmm. is happening is a, in, in real time, as in everything's unfolding, it's slowly, everyone, everything keeps on being paused. And like, okay, uh, you've now got to make a decision. You have infinite mm. amount of time to make a decision, but you've got mm. to make one. And whatever decision you make, you have to live with. There's no take backsies. Uh, unlike in many board games where you go, oh, I just, actually, I'm not going to do this. It's a bad idea now. Mm. But, uh, I mean, this is classic with especially games like Twilight Imperium where you go, actually, no, I'm not going to do that. You sure? Yeah. <laughs> And you just take all your bits back and you put, like, actually, I won't do that. It's There's a reason that game takes a whole day to play. Yeah, it's a reason. Even, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I'm speaking from personal experience and I've played it regularly, uh, probably six times now so far. Um, not this year, that's not true. Two mm. times this year so far. And only in February. So, yeah, uh, it's 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 a thing I'm very familiar with. But, yeah, the amount of times it's like, no. But you can't do that in this game, which is wonderful because it's like, hey, you've you, you got to lie, you've made your bed, now you got to lie in it. So, yeah, there's lots and lots of moving parts again, dreadful cliche, but it's true of the best board games. There's lots of interactive pieces, and it's like that bloke with the, the meme where he's doing the conspiracy theories, which has lots of string and pins <laughs> lined together, and he's sort of yeah. waving his and his, his hair's all springing up, and he's going, Oh, god. Look at this is a big conspiracy, like, and it's it's not quite as bad, but it's a, every game has well, the better games have all these lots of moving parts, and the best people can see how optimized you can make that. And um, mm. the thing about the captain is dead is that each turn you have a character to control. Now, in the board game, every player has a character control, and they mm. have to own that player, just like in games like Pandemic or indeed uh, Arkham Horror and these sort of cooperative games which have characters in them you've got one job you know the the, the you know that's the common um turn of phrase in um pandemic when someone sort of like has to do one job and they fail to do it like you had one job and similar with with the captain is dead you have typically one job but that's not strictly true because there's any good um, crew in a spaceship they can pretty much do all of the things but some are better mm-hmm. than some of the things than others uh, and mm. that's that's really quite important in this game but going back to to, to that um, there's a very what we, strict what we call in board game land so forgive me if you're not familiar with this if you're a video game fan which all of you are as you listen to the show but it's something called action economy Um it's very, 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 very prevalent in role-playing games. In fact, most games, role-playing games are anchored around action economy in terms of their combat, if they have combat in them. I'm looking at you, Fate, which you don't. So, um, well, you do, but you don't do it this way. So, point is, there's a very, very strict one at the heart of Captain is Dead. In fact, every character has X amount of actions they can do, some mm. more than others. Um, yes. What have you done in the design of the Captain is Dead <laughs> to emphasise to the player that 
you have X amount of actions, use them wisely. What do you think you've done in the design and introduction and experience to the player to let them know that you really need to nail this to understand this before you can actually be a success at The Captain is Dead? So that is an, an awesome question because in The Captain is Dead, your actions and skills are lit, not literally, but figuratively, they're like gold dust and they need to be spent very, very carefully. And since you've asked me this, if I can be honest, after watching some of the streamers play the game last week, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we've succeeded in communicating how key this action economy is to winning the game. Um, so we've got a tutorial that explains exactly what the actions and skills do and how they work, uh, which we've tried to make it fun and informative because we've got to teach the we've actually got to teach the board game and the video game interface at the same time. So there's a lot in there. But we couldn't put everything in the tutorial, so we had to cut it short a bit so people can have that fun of exploring and discovering the game for themselves. Uh, then on top of that, we've got dynamic iconography all over the place, like um, like in the board game. So the board game for the captain is dead. Is uh, like the, the more I kind of started to translate it into the digital format, the more I appreciated the design because it has got an awful lot of information on it and it's very easily readable you can glance at the board and you can get a fantastic idea of the um what the situation on the ship is so we've got this dynamic iconography all over the game which will tell you exactly what actions you need and we try to make that super super clear but i still don't feel that we've done the best job on it it really it's like a it's like a balancing act of having like a clean and readable interface uh, versus bashing the people over the head with the information so that it's uh, that it gets things into it. And I think we're still tuning it. Um, it takes a while to get the 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 balance and tuning. Uh, uh, how can I put this? Uh, it takes takes place a while to understand that they need to use every single action and play it forward. Uh, and I've seen streamers finish their turns with spare actions. And you're just like, no, why are you putting the round peg into the square hole? Um, but fortunately, once they die the first time they play it, they realize that they've got to pay attention. And this is a game that really rewards strategic thinking and planning ahead. Uh, and they start to pick it up, which is great. Uh, we found that a lot of players remark on the game feeling kind of puzzly, which is Super cool for me because like when I play it, I feel like trying to work out how to achieve a specific goal with the skills and the crew that you have to hand, the game starts to become almost like a, a sliding block puzzle of like, how do I get these actions to this character for this turn so they can do this thing before that thing happens? So I feel like I kind of waffled through your question there. But uh, I think yeah. the thing, the way I'm talking, and I hope the audience and you, Dan, can appreciate, mm. I play a lot of board games. So for me, oh, yeah. this dialogue, this this like, well, yeah, it's the first thing. You, of course, is that's your that's your that's your resource. It's the, your your actions. How many actions you've got? It's one of the first things you do when you sit down on a board game. I mean, how many actions have I got? You know, it's like, what, what can I do in a turn? How many? What which phase is this? Oh, we're doing cleanup phase. You know, what I mean, it's <laughs> it's, it's uh, there's a game called Anachrony. Okay, it's just a worker placement rather. Well laid out, well designed, and beautifully. Mm. I, the iconography of it is just incredible because you're like, oh yeah, I can't do that because there's no not a word, not a single word written on the board. It's just iconography. Like, oh yeah, you do that, and oh I can't go there because they've they've taken that space now, so I can't go there. So if I go 
you know, it's classic worker placement. All these phrases, all these terminologies and concepts you've become familiar with when you play board games for, you know, design board games, not not yeah. Monopoly and Cluedo. Um, it's you become you you just know the language of them. So for well, me, I I knew that was from the get go. I knew always as someone who's already familiar with the board game when I played it, I was thinking it was how on earth can you interpret this board game into a video game? This is why I brought you on, Dan, because I wanted to talk about. Well, I, I, I'm slightly embarrassed by this question because I feel that that element of the game was so obvious yep. to me personally mm-hmm. that I've kind of glossed over it in the tutorial to make the tutorial kind of like jazzy and interesting and yeah, get exactly. to like all the, yeah. the meaty stuff. It's uh, it's really, really interesting watching people play yeah, and seeing this kind of, um, seeing them not quite get it in the first go. But, but what is nice is it is something that people will start to pick up on very quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you mm. give them that sense of discovery, which is a wonderful thing for players to get when they go. Oh, I figured out it's secret. Like, no, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not a secret, is it? Okay, <laughs> it's just the whole, <laughs> the whole point of the game. But it's Honestly, okay. Do yeah. I hide any secrets in there? Yeah, oh yeah, oh, there are. So <laughs> let's go on to the next point, the design point about the captain is <laughs> dead, which is classic co-op. Uh, um, as regards to classic co-op in regards to working together as a team and being presented with 20 options or yeah. more that you could do all of these things but you've got to choose the right ones mm. I didn't say one the right ones which is bad in grammar but you know what I mean there are yeah. options that are valid that will lead you to the same point which is by the way you must repair the engine of your spaceship because you are on a spaceship you are the crew on the spaceship it's a bit like the end of space crew and everything's starting to explode and you've got to get the engineer to fix or someone not necessarily the engineer but typically the engineer to fix Usually the engine yeah. the warp core <laughs> so you can jump out of the system and get out of you know dodge because you're being attacked by aliens for reasons best known to themselves maybe they want some marmite i don't know that's never explained but they are attacking the ship for reasons. Well, um, keep their tentacles off my marmite. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know where I'm going with that. But the point is, there are such a phenomenal amount of options available to the player at every given turn. And in The Captain is Dead, what have you done in the design, if anything, <laughs> to allow the player to learn and understand and decipher which of those tasks is urgent and which of them is very urgent? Yes, they are all urgent. So, so the um, the captain's dead is an interesting design challenge because when when you're designing a traditional video game, you introduce all of the mechanics gently, uh, one at a time. But the first time you play the captain is dead, it's just like, there you go, you can do whatever you like, save the ship, and uh, that can be super super daunting to new players. So. We don't. Uh, I've touched on the tutorial, which is kind of spoon-fed, and how the original board has a, a ton of information and design. But what we've found uh, kind of helps with this kind of analysis paralysis almost is to compartmentalize all um, the information. So all of the the mission critical information is easily viewable on the main screen. So you can see your jump core uh, status, your jump core power, your shield status. Um, any uh, items that are, uh, any systems that are offline or damaged, any crew that are injured. So that, that key information is there on the main screen. But then if you t- uh, touch and hold any of the buttons at the side, you can drill down and get more information. So you can see 
what is coming up next, uh, where your injured crew member are, what anomalies are affecting the crew. So just a little bit of that. So from the top level, you can get a, a bird's eye view and then you can go in uh, onto the, the uh, a little bit deeper if you want to. Um, uh, but there are two other things that are really, really important in terms of the player working out what's urgent and what's not urgent. First of all, the voice of the ship's computer is actually an AI that looks at the game and gives you strategic tips. So occasionally, if you're paying attention, the ship will computer will say something like, uh, warning, warning, external scanners offline. Recommend immediate repair. If she says that, that's what you should be doing. Um, and that's kind of like a, a nice little um, almost subliminal poke to the player. Not many people noticed it. JT, the original game designer, he noticed it. He was like, oh, hey, by the way, Dan, uh, you do stuff random because it seems to be giving me really good tips. I was like, no, JT, no, it is not random. Um, and then the other thing, uh, which is going to sound super dumb, um, is the undo button. So we've got an undo button in The Captain is Dead uh, where you can't undo a whole round, but you can undo any actions within the round. Yeah. And that's yeah. really put in there because um, we, uh, I might be answering one of the, the next questions in advance here, but we, we kind of use a system at Thunderbox called emotional design where we identify the three core emotions that we want players to experience when they play a game. And then we uh, we work backwards from them to uh, determine um, gameplay features and mechanic deployment. And uh, I think for the captain's death, the core emotions were wonder, peril, and camaraderie. So I don't know if they're all strictly speaking emotions, but you get the gist. Anyway, and so the the one that the the um, the when we drill down into the peril uh, emotion, we wanted people to feel kind of like peril in a way that they felt that if they were smart they could escape kind of like matt damon in the martian he says having just said that he doesn't like people referencing films to make video games it's okay um, you, can, you can contradict yourself it's all this what the show's all about go on oh good <laughs> but yeah yeah so anyway so uh, the 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 best way to do that is to empower players to experiment um, so the undo button lets you like go, oh, I wonder what happens if I draw some battle plans and then deploy them against this. Or what if I shot these aliens with the security station? Uh, oh, no, okay, maybe I'll try using the rifle instead from the cargo pod. So you can experiment and see how that affects um, uh, your actions and what you can do and what you can't get. Uh, and, I, and it makes, as soon as we implemented that, the game became completely different. Yeah, no, it's a really, again, it kind of simulates the take backsy thing um, yeah. in, in the board game, which, you know, you, during your action, okay, what are you going to do? Um, I think I'm going to, re- re- you know, um, I think I'm going to repair the comms and another player go, really? <laughs> yeah. Do we really but, uh, need to, re- well, it's broken, <laughs> isn't it? I've got enough actions to repair it. That's not quite the point. <laughs> You, know. you, you can kind of use it to cheat, which is interesting. We had a, a yeah. bit of a de- design moral dilemma with it because there are there are certain points in the game where uh, there's hidden information. So like drawing battle plans or drawing skills at random from a, from the computer. Yeah. So if you take a skill and you don't like it, you can undo, 
which is kind of like peeking at the deck and cheating a bit. And so I thought, like, do I want to re-randomize the deck when people do that? That and and what I decided on in the end is to just let people do that because if they have a look and and then decide they don't like it and they cheat by undoing that thing that they don't want is still stuck in the deck. Well, no, you know, we, and they're going to have to take it at some point. Or you could do, you could do it mm. so that it is random. But then when they do the back, they suddenly grow a goatee beard because they're in the wrong timeline. Oh, I like. <laughs> I really damn it, damn you! <laughs> no, I'm going to have to make goatee beards for all the characters. <laughs> Especially the women. Yeah. <laughs> There, there is a battle plan called Grow so as the soon beard. as you do that oh, that's the only thing I know where the battle plans and, and the, the idea of dealing with the aliens as they're shooting it's fantastic it's all there's so much to talk about in this game everyone, but we have limited time and I wanted to focus on these key mechanics of the game. Lot, I, I honestly I didn't realise how complicated it was until after I started implementing it because um, yeah. the, the core premise is very simple uh, and the gameplay loop is very simple but there are so many systems yeah. going on in the board game and they all affect each other. It's, there's a lot of orthogonal game design and gameplay in it. And JT, apparently, he spent five years tuning and testing and developing the game. So everything is yeah. super well-balanced. Yeah, it's definitely um, okay. I mean, when um, I've played it, it's the amount of time someone's sort of done a thing. Is that oh, I'm gonna like I'll, I'll, I'll get the rifle from the from the uh, the cabinet, and the, the amount of time someone will pipe up, you have chosen poorly. Poorly. <laughs> we don't we don't need the gun. We need you to fix the we engine. Need the Bible, we've got the soldier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But exactly. It, it, it's and, and the game's very much about balancing mm. uh, or about prioritizing what you need to do because. A lot of the alerts, so the alerts come at the end, end of every turn and they like, have bad effects on the ship. So a lot of the alerts don't actually do anything until they're combined with another alert. Yeah. So you'll get uh, you'll get um, a, a space anomaly, which will double the gravity on the ship, which means that you have to spend double actions if you want to move. So, that, But that doesn't matter. As long as you've got the teleporter online, you can beam about the ship. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as the teleporter goes out of action, you've either got to fix the teleporter, stop the teleporter, well, block the teleport from going out of action or fix the anomaly so like something simple that you can ignore if you ignore it for too long it will bite you in the ass you've got to be really on it yeah yeah you do and you have to i mean amount of times so i was it's, it's plate spinning everyone it's generally paid it, but there is one overall goal and that goal is to fix the engine now mm. this leads on to the next question which is pacing so the captain Ooh. is dead is managed by it being entirely turn-based, every decision is made and the time is frozen and you have the turns to actually overcome each one. So you can sit there almost forever making a decision. There is one or two exceptions where you there's some real-time aspects to The Captain is Dead. What have you done to exploit, exploit the fact that this is a video game environment, not a board game one? Therefore, you can do certain things that a board game can't readily do. Is there anything? I mean, uh, the obvious one is real time, but is there anything else that you yeah. added? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, yes. okay. So I've only considered real time. Um, that is a cool question, actually. So what's nice about the captain is dead is because it's turn based. It's all crazy. It's very much. I like to put it. It's like a relaxed panic. Uh, so you get the intensity, of, like the, the crazy stuff, uh, but you can play it through at, at your own pace, which is nice. 
So one of the we 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 added a slight real time element to the game when you override. So uh, for people not familiar with the board game, um, at the end of every turn, the players can get an alert. The players will receive a new alert, and the alert will do something bad to the ship, like teleport aliens in or blow up the teleporters or whatever. Some of those alerts, if you've got enough of a certain type of skill, you can override them. So you just pay the skills and you you skip the alert. However, I put a timer on this because it's it's a it's a dramatic moment in the game, and I don't want analysis paralysis to grind the flow of the game to a halt at that specific moment. And it and it's well, watching people play it, it's actually quite funny when they when they start to freak out and the override thing ticks in. Just like a little timer makes people panic there quite quite considerably. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, a lovely the, lovely little touch there. Thank you. Uh, and the, the other thing is, um, what's interesting is, in a video game, people don't need to know the rules. And this is kind of a double-edged sword, because it means that we can hide a little bit of information. Um, so I'm just trying to think what, what the best example of this is. What did we hide? What did we hide? So yeah, yeah. So when the alert information comes up, it's slightly obfuscated. Yes. So when it yes, happens... It is. It's more, it's more dramatic. And um, if you haven't checked the external scanners or if the scanners are offline, you're going to be at more of a disadvantage because yep. You, yep. Don't, you don't have to read a card and then do the damage yourself. It will be done automatically. Um, so we can create an extra little bit of drama through, the, through hiding and obfuscating some of the information. But, um, but the downside of that is we have to be super clear when... Uh, players can't do certain actions because of conditions in the ship. Whereas in a board game, because everyone had read the rules in an ideal world, everyone has read the rules, or at least one person's read it's the rules. There's at least one. There's at least one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they'd be like, you can't do that because there are aliens in the room. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't have like a like the the game master voice coming. You can't do it because aliens in the room. So you have to be very clear about it. And we, the original system we came up with, this was uh, we did this all um, silently and automated. So if you couldn't do something, we just grade the button out. And what we found is people kept reporting it as bugs, saying, "Oh, this button is broken." <laughs> um, and so, and yeah, it's it, te- technically it is a bug, just not the one they think. No, no. And no. Um, and yeah, and so what we did is we we kept all the buttons active, and yeah. so if they try to do something they couldn't, then they get like a massive pop up in your face, like bring aliens in the yeah. room, yeah, and they're like, oh yeah, I can't do that. So little communication things like that are uh, interesting. Interestingly enough, we did look at making a, a real time mode for the game, uh, where if you equate each turn to about a minute of gameplay, uh, and the average crew member has four actions per turn, an action point becomes equivalent to about 15 seconds of activity. So you can use that to tune crew movement speed and just keep the alerts coming in real time. Um, and the main the main reason why we kind of ditched that is because you would have to tune the timing on everything. So UI animation speeds, like the, the time it takes to draw weapons, all of that stuff comes becomes a crucial factor. Um, and I think it kind of breaks that the leisurely panic that i mentioned earlier yeah 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 so um the next next question i've got for you is this and it's great that you've done that um is um really about the visual style of the captain is dead which you inherited from the original board game 
It's interesting that you mentioned Marmite earlier in the uh, in the podcast. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it can be a bit uh, divisive in the same way as everyone's favourite or least favourite yeast-based spread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I think it's fantastic. I love it. I've always, it's one of the things that were drawn to The Captain is Dead in the first place because it has that very... Um, contrast colour pops out at you you can't mm. mistake anything it's well designed mm. in that it, 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 its function is to actually make sure that all the important things you need to look at on the board are obvious things whereas there's other ancillary bits which are just what we call flavour and it's just really mm. well laid out and the, the, the art design is I think phenomenal with The Captain is Dead um, so I was really happy to see you keep that on and flow through with it but what it seems to have taken a life of its own uh with the captain is dead the video game version in that it's become almost a part of the mechanic of the game in that you have all these animations and creatures and and it's all you've not just made it a side thing you've actually embraced it entirely can you talk us through the experience of taking a visual style and turning it into a video game experience? So, yeah, yeah. So I'm super, first of all, I'm super pleased that you asked about this because this is a, a lot of effort went into this. And secondly, I'm super pleased that you uh, you love the art style because it was one of the things that drew us to the Captain is Dead. And I know through the kind of like the, the discussion I had with JT, the original designer, that he specifically chose. The um, that artist, a guy called I'm gonna get this right, Gaetano Leonardi, to to do the art because it was really weird and unusual looking, and it, it goes back to uh, not going with the flow but being the flow. Um, and I, for me, when I looked at it, it just had this great low poly Virtua Fighter feel. So we really kind of leaned into that old. Uh, weirdly enough, Sega Saturn look. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we like we we really wanted to like, kind of get us like a uh, like a modern uh, kind of take on on the the virtual games. And we actually spent about two years on and off developing an art pipeline that let us make full three D environments based on the game board that would then look like all of the supporting artwork and the postcards and the great pictures that have been done by Gatano. So we constructed all the environments in low poly and we apply a flat color to them. And then we do a, a full lighting pass, like we were lighting a, like a, a proper like, AAA gorgeous lighting game. And we use Unity to bake all the environment lighting into, into the proper light maps. <clears throat> then we run that result through a special tool that we got from the Unity Asset Store that turns the light map into vertex colors so that everything has this very triangular look that matches up with Gaetano's art style, but in full 3D. So when we actually started, like once we got all, all this style almost worked out, when we started rendering kind of like the isometric screenshots of the game and some of the putting some of the characters in, it looked like it had been drawn, which we was we were quite pleased with. And a, a lot of textures start off as photorealistic textures, but then we run through a special art package that turns them into triangular mosaics so they fit in on top of the start because it got it got to the point where we realized that some of the visual effects and animation we were putting in the game looked out of place because they were too good 
Yeah. So we actually had to go back and make them look worse. So on one hand, it was good because we could uh, we could be a bit retro and lo-fi with, with the art, but occasionally we'd actually have to work harder to make the stuff look worse, <laughs> which was which was kind of odd. Um, but we then we tried to take the the that visual sensibility and apply it to the audio. So we've got this angular low poly visual style. So we wanted all of the sound effects to echo that. So they're they're all recreations of classic sci-fi sound effects made using like a, a an old eight bit synth. So not an actual the actual synth, but a soft synth. Um, so there's there's no kind of like stock sound effects or modern sounding sound effects. They're all like really weird 8-bit, just layered and stretched and tweaked to make them sound kind of a bit more modern. Then we did the same thing for the music. So when we start developing the game, just as uh, filler music, we had um, the excellent uh, Wrath of Khan soundtrack by uh, the late great James Horner. Um, and it felt super epic and Star Trekky, but it didn't mesh with the the style of the game. And I I literally thought, well, what would be the opposite of this? So I reached out to a guy um, called Occam's Laser, who's this like, wonderful uh, dark synth artist uh, on the Isle of Wight, uh, who makes this crazy epic sound music with like a synthy eighties vibe. To and we got him to supply the soundtrack, and it's now worked into a dynamic soundtrack that kind of uh, changes as the action proceeds. So, like when you when you start every turn, it's like low and broody, and then as soon as you start executing on your plan, like the, the drums kick it in, and then when aliens appear, they've all got their own little theme. And if you let aliens overrun, and the game over, music brings all the theme elements together. So <clears throat> that kind of um, kind of synth style and this and the 8-bit sound effects and the low poly stuff all it's all kind of like merged to give you the that kind of weird 80s 90s feeling that i felt came from the original art it's just everything a whole what a wonderful story that you've told there and when i first saw it i thought oh look it's interstate 76 uh or yeah. um oh, again i love that game yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah, but yeah. I, oh, I'm glad I, you picked up that. That did occur to me at some point as well. Yeah, so yeah. It's, 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 Interstate seventy six. But so, so this ties back to the emotional design that I mentioned earlier. So remember, yeah. I, I said that one of the key emotions was wonder. Um, and the the thing that we wanted to, when, when I say wonder, we wanted to get that stranger in a strange land vibe. So think of stuff like the Last Starfighter and Tron, and. The, the 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 super hot palette in the game and the really wacky artwork and the fact that everything is really kind of in your yeah. face yeah is all driven by that emotional response that we want to want to do and the same with the the soundtrack the soundtrack is more about the pet it's a bit of wonder it's a bit of peril so we're going to something like kind of kind of dark and broody but uh the nice thing about Occam is he's got like a the perfect balance of something that's dark and broody but also kind of quite upbeat and energetic yeah, because it's it's a parody. The whole game's a parody. The point, and the concept: the captain is dead. How yeah. is he dead? Doesn't matter. Does, you're about to die anyway. Yeah. Okay, where is he? Doesn't matter. Or he or she or them. Yeah. Or, doesn't matter. It's, they're, they're dead. The, the captain's dead. 
Okay, what do we do? Yeah. Well, exactly. That's the point. Normally, you ask the captain for information, but he hasn't got any because he's not there. He's dead. He's left some plans, though. You could use those yeah. and etc. Work it out yourself. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> work it out yourself. You've always wanted the captain's chair. Yeah. Now sit in it. Oh, not so good now, is it? Yeah. Doesn't fit so well now, does it? <laughs> That's the whole point. It's just, uh, it's just so, so, so good. So yeah. the captain is dead. It's, uh, it's developed by Thunderbox Entertainment. Uh, what's the name of the studio? Where's it come from? Where do you, where, where, from what recess of oh. your brain did it come from? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, so you're not going to believe this. Right. I was chatting with my girlfriend at the time, and uh, she said, oh, I was at a party last night, and uh, I said something, blah, 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 and my best friend turned around and said, what did you say? Thunderbox. And she said, no, but that sounds like a good name for a video game studio, doesn't it? And I said, yes, and here is the logo. And I just knocked out the logo, and that's how it came about, just because somebody not hearing my girlfriend at a party. Wow. You see, that's better than yeah. the 3am conversation you're having. Uh, after, but but some, you sometimes know. you can't overthink something. But that, I yeah. only found out later that it's Australian for outside toilet. Oh, that, that's very Australian. I can see that. <laughs> I actually, someone put on the, speaking of Australia, someone put um, a, a video of a, a hunter spider. Is it Huntsman Spider? I think oh, it is. No. Yeah, and it was on a car, and it was sitting on the car and on the back windscreen. And then this bird comes in and swoops up and picks it up. And and uh, I actually wrote, you know, at the time, I said, how does anyone live beyond the age of 25 in Australia? And a lot of people responded going, no one knows. <laughs> Great. Well, they all come over to England. They do, yeah, for a bit. Yeah. Uh, but it's, 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 and then I said, "Was the car, you know, set on fire and thrown into orbit?" Absolutely. Yeah, can't can't use yeah. it anymore. It's got cars. <laughs> no, there might be more of them. There might be more of them. So yeah, yeah. And then someone was like telling stories about how uh, these 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 huntsmen sort of uh, spiders will call in through your um, um, through the. Um, or the uh, ventilation, like the air conditioning. They'll just crawl in through it. Never have air conditioning in Australia. Yeah, don't have air conditioning <laughs> in Australia then. There you go. I'm sure that's fine. Yeah. So, yes, uh, it's uh, by Thunderbox Entertainment. It's out now on... Now I'm going to get the uh, platforms right. Uh, for, correct me mm. if I'm wrong. But I've got... Uh, it's, it's on Steam for correct. Windows, PC and Mac OS. Yes. And it is also on Android and iOS. Correct. Also. Yes. I want to make sure because sometimes I see like people work with they they say oh it's it's out on um, uh, Mac operating system is it, does it what iOS as well no I said Mac didn't I you did didn't you apologies but sometimes yeah. you get confused but um, I have all of those it's, it's easy to confuse because it's it's Mac OS isn't it is, is it Mac OS it's Mac OS yeah, yeah, yeah. iOS yeah, yeah. It's like what is so it my, my laptop's a Mac still after five years. Yeah. It's, it won't die. The thing won't die. And then um, I think the battery eventually. That's what happens to them. The batteries explode. Uh, but uh, yes. yeah. And uh, but I've only played um, the Captain is Dead, both analog and uh, now on my glorious gaming Windows PC. So, Dan, hey. yeah, it's been wonderful having you on. Thank you so much. And uh, you're more than welcome to come back to chat about whatever new game you've got hatching. No idea what that might be. But we have a little Ooh. return guest. We will be here. Trust me. Um, I mean, we've had you know we've had lots of we've had people come back on three, four times now. It's just amazing. It does mean. Well, I can understand why. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
that's an absolute pleasure for us. So, Dan, thank you. You are most welcome. Thank you. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, canerinse.com.